the name at which one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are God. We're just going to get a head start on that because Jesus, I know you're my God. I know you're my Savior. And so Jesus, tonight I pray that this chapel would come alive with the Holy Spirit just going up and down in between the chairs around the hearts. And Jesus, I can pray that because I'm a child of yours who so by the authority I have as a child of yours, I command Satan to get away from this place so that you will be worshipped, Jesus, and you'll get all the attention. So Lord, please, no distractions, no attention grabbers, but may hearts be tuned to you. We already have Satan working because he's going to try to stop eternity from changing. Names will be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life for those who come to know you. And Satan hates that. He's hated you from the beginning. He hates us if we bear the name of Christian. But Jesus, we're in a spiritual battle tonight. This is no cruise ship, it's a battleship. It is no vacation, it's active duty. We are deployed as Christians. It's action. So Jesus, tonight we are in a spiritual battle. I pray that something might cause someone to have an aha moment and they'll finally realize their need of you. So Lord, give us calmness in their hearts. And Jesus, you be the speaker. Don't let me get in the way. And I pray that you just open our eyes, whether we're laughing or crying or whether we're just thinking or whatever we're doing. May we do all to the glory of God who gave us His Son. His name I pray. Amen. So I you brought a Bible probably ever, I don't know, maybe every time to chapel, which is great if you haven't. Hmm. You might miss something, but I just want you to make sure you have God's Word in front of you. After we've prayed together, let's see what we are going to talk about tonight. My prayer for tonight's chapel, and you can pray during chapel. It's okay, we don't just pray before chapel and that's it. We can pray during chapel, so I pray that you'll pray. I pray that during this time we're going to see God and God's just going to be so real we're going to have a, oh wow, an aha moment. Um, it's amazing that God shows up, we just don't see Him. He's in this room right here for where two or three are gathered together, there He is in the midst of us. So you say, I can't see Him. I know, that's why they call it faith, Hebrews eleven six. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit will just touch hearts. And you've done that before. You've been sitting in church or Sunday school or someplace, and it's like, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like God's speaking to my heart. I pray that He'll do that tonight. I pray that He'll awaken us, help us to be honest, and help us to take action. We'll have a chance to respond, you know, at the end. If you say, well, can I just pray with someone? Absolutely. Can Uncle Paul pray with me? Can the counselor pray? Sure. But you say, can I just listen? That's where it all begins. But I pray that God will show up in a mighty way. Awakening, honesty, and action. We started last night at our chapel of asking you a question. You ever have an aha moment? And that's when you come to your senses and you say, okay, enough's enough. Here's what I need to do. And so we began with this last night. Here's what the story was. I gave you a story about, you said, well, you gave us a couple out of the Bible. I did, but I also gave you this. Does anybody remember what Hollywood example I used? This is the movie Bridge on the River Kwai. And go back to that other one. I'll show people. I'm going to test you. Does anybody recognize this guy right here? This is Alec Guinness. 
Anybody ever seen Star Wars before? Yeah. Alex Guinness says, the droid you're looking for is not this one. Oh, yeah, that's Alec Guinness. Remember, he's the one that's the, the smart one. Yeah, this was back in the 50s and the 70s. He took over and, and became... Yeah, so Alec Guinness has been around for quite a while. He was Colonel Nichols in this movie. And Colonel Nichols is a guy that gets along with the people of the Japanese army there. And he says, we'll build a bridge for you. And this is what it looks like. They build a bridge across the river and with the whole sole purpose of destroying that bridge. Here's what happens though once they build the bridge. They get so, the colonel starts to like the bridge and pretty soon he looks at it like this is special or you're losing the whole idea of the mission. We do that occasionally. I got one of my friends, I would call him a friend. If he shook my hand today, he'd be down here. David Wheeler is a professor at Liberty University. I've had him for a few classes. And he said, I had a church in Ohio he said, when, they, when I took it over as pastor, they were in the red. What's that mean? Well, they, they don't have any money. Yeah, they owe everybody. They're in debt. He says, I took over that church. God blessed us. We saw people getting saved, people getting baptized. We were soon in the black. We had money. It's like the church was flourishing. She said, there was a gym that they didn't even hardly use. So he said, we just opened it up to the community and started inviting people in. And the next thing you know, somebody in the community, it'd be like you, let's just say I got all y'all guys and got you off the street and brought you into the church here. In the gym, we're playing basketball. And somebody sort of kicked a hole in the wall of a gypsum board one night playing real hard. And he said, somebody in the church said, well, if they're going to tear things up, we just don't want them in here. And David Wheeler, he says, he probably, if you'd have thought, he wouldn't have said it, but he says that was when I was young and impulsive. He said, well, why don't we just take a match and burn the place down then? Because up until now, it's not even been used. The moment we start using it and somebody scratches the wall, y'all want to know, can't do that. What did that gym come to some of those people there at that church? The river, the bridge on the river. Quiet. They wanted almost like, don't, don't do that. I've been in a church before the same thing took a church and uh, I wasn't the pastor then. I was just inviting people from the neighborhood. Well, next thing we know, we had some community outreach movies. I had 52 people showing up. We'd hang a sheet on the building and just watch it. So like what we did last time. Well, it got cold weather, so naturally, where did I want to move? Inside. So we moved inside, had some movies. You're reaching lost people. I mean, they're not coming in in droves, but people are showing up and it's like, yeah, you're starting to make an impact. Then they put out a new carpet. And one of the people said, are you still going to do these movies? Wow, we're getting the community to come in here and you know, maybe think about Jesus. Yeah, but I don't want y'all to mess up the rug. What's most important? Soul saved or a carpet? Well, to him, the carpet. Y'all might spill a drink. And I mean, well, are we going to put straws and caps on the communion cups when we have communion? You know, Got it. No, we don't do that. That's sort of a dumb thing. It's like, I don't want y'all to have anything here to drink. What are we going to do with communion? Go out in the lobby? Come back in? See, I know I'm being a little honry there, but I'm sort of like David Wheeler. If the thing is taking the place of God, it's a bad thing. Well, this bridge had taken over. This is what he worshipped. This is the way some people look at the building. Who cares about lost souls? This bridge is everything. And at the end of the movie, one of his soldiers got ready to push a plunger down, and he's like, he's fighting him to keep him from destroying the bridge. You can't destroy that bridge. It's mine. Easy. And so the, he got the attention. The Japanese guard shoots down, kills his friend. And about that time, what did this Colonel Nichols have? A what? Oh. oh. And it's like, what was I thinking? My friends, 
And then he tries to struggle over there and another soldier comes up beside him, the Japanese shoot him, and when the guy falls, he falls on the plunger and blows the bridge up so they accomplished their mission, but not before two or three of them had to die. All because of this man losing track. Well, what's that got to do with us? If we don't have an aha moment before too long, we're going to waste a lot of time and probably be going after the wrong thing. And you need somebody just sort of to shake you. They used to do that in the movies years ago. It's supposed to. It's funny now, but you know somebody would be losing control and they would slap me in the face and they'd go, "Oh, thanks, I needed that." It's like get a hold of yourself. You know, calm down. We're okay. Come to your senses. So. This old movie won seven Academy Awards. Everybody thought it was way ahead of its time. David, well, this guy to the left, that's Alec Guinness. Somebody said, well, you want to be in this movie? He says, nobody's going to pay money to come listen to a stiff upper-lipped British man talk for two and a half hours. He turned down the part. They finally talked him into it, and he did it. Seven Academy Awards later, he said, well, maybe it was a good movie. So, yeah, that was great. I gave you a Bible story. Does anybody remember the story from Luke chapter, maybe not, Luke chapter 15, yeah, that's prodigal son. This son came to his senses. He quit worshiping things. Just like the man looked at the bridge. He quit worshiping things and he said, I'm going home. Here's what the prodigal son looks like. He finally made it home. He quit. He had the aha moment. Just like the guy with the bridge, the son had the aha moment. What other story did I give you? Who's this man at the tree? Zacchaeus. He had an eye. An eye. It's like, it's Jesus. And suddenly, wasn't he worried about his friends laughing at him? He didn't care anymore. Jesus, what Jesus said was more important than what his friends said. What Jesus thought about him was more important than what his friends thought. But that was a tough move. You've got critics probably sitting around. Look at this picture. And I know it's a painting. But still, I think it bears probably pretty close to the truth. You got some people in the background talking about him. You got some people looking up at him like, what is wrong with him? You got the pharisaical kind of people walking away like, oh, Jesus is going to go eat with a sinner. And what's wrong with that? And you got the little boy out of curiosity saying, hmm, he must be a brave man to climb a tree and risk injury just so he could see Jesus. I'm going to throw in one more. I talked about the prodigal son. Talked about Zacchaeus. Let me give you one other guy. Would you turn in your Bibles, if you got a Bible, to chapter 27 of Matthew? Chapter, or chapter 26 of Matthew. Anybody know the best friend of Jesus here on earth? His name was John. John wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John. He also wrote Revelation. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote five books. Two other people were the inner circle. James, John, and... Peter. Peter was the other guy. Well, let me show you something about Peter. Peter was a sign on the rock disciple. He was on fire for Jesus. He was one of the inner circle. He had everything going for him. Everything was wonderful. And then it came time for Jesus to leave. And Peter, I love him. He's, he's Mr. Impulsive, and he made mistakes. But then again, who got out of the boat, boat to walk on water? Peter did. Who whipped out the sword and wanted to fight his way out of that? That was Peter. He was a courageous man. He was sometimes a little impulsive and acted a little crazy, but he's also the man known to deny Jesus. And here's the Scriptures. Chapter 26. Peter's going to have an aha moment, but let me show you what it is. We're leading up to that. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up and said, You are also with Jesus of Galilee. This is verse 69 of chapter 26. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. 
Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. That means he cursed. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away, or the way you speak. I know it's not... I'm not misinterpreting Scripture. I think it was his Galilean accent that gave him away. But I take that and make a practical application to us. Our, our talk should give us away. If I'm a Christian, the world will soon know, man, you mentioned preacher, you talk about church, you mentioned the Bible. What is this? you got a new vocabulary. You will if you get saved. Trouble is, some people say that they're saved and they have a vocabulary that's, that's not. Really? Yeah. Does that hit home? Oh yeah, James, the brother of Jesus, later says, out of our mouth will come cursing and out of our mouth will come blessing. He says, isn't it amazing? It comes out of your same mouth. Can, if James was here tonight, he'd put that in terms you can understand. Some of y'all can quote Scripture and you'll cuss somebody out in the next minute. So we can act like we're a Christian all we want, but then here comes the next thing. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we let a cuss word fly, that must have been there pretty easy. Well, I'm saved, but then, pow, there comes the words... Watch what Peter does. He denies Jesus the third time. Now Jesus has said, when you deny me three times, something is going to happen. Now, I think he's angry right here. I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds like he's angry. I don't know the man. Sounds like he's angry. Your accent gives you away. Does your speech give us away? It should. Verse 74. Then he began to call out curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Sounds pretty angry to me. And as soon as he says that, watch his emotions. He goes from anger to something else. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he did something. He went from this man at the fire who's being accused and cursing to this man. That little rooster over there gives you the key. The rooster crowed. I think he stayed out all night waiting to see what happened to Jesus. And they come and arrested Jesus. has been up all night. They're resting. Probably it would be like a five, four or five o'clock in the morning and let him away. I think Peter denied him about that time. And now we picture Peter doing this. He's went from being very angry to being very sad and Hmm. It's from mad to sad. Yeah. What was the rooster to Peter? It was a what? Aha moment. Aha moment. And then, oh, that's what he said I would do. I can't believe I did this. And now he's so sad and he's defeated. And the Bible says, I think he stayed like that for a while. Until John chapter 21 and Peter invited him to come on shore and finally Peter sort of got reinstated. But you notice he had an aha moment. Aha moment. See if you remember him now. You awakened. I think he was awakened. He was honest. I think he was terrible. He felt terrible. And finally, the third thing, action. When he met with Jesus later, he came to Jesus and he's basically this. I'm sorry. Start me over. This same man that was so defeated later in Acts preaches a message. 3,000 people get saved. I think Peter's back on board. Was he bold? Oh yeah, if you don't want to read it, Matthew, I mean Acts chapter 2, go over and read his message. He spared no words. He just boom right there. He's not denying anybody this time. So what do we do when we feel defeated or how do we have an aha moment? 
Let me show you a couple things right here. I gave you Peter and we hadn't even talked about him a lot. But I want to tell you, tonight let's look at my message entitled, Rumors. I think to have an aha moment, Peter had believed something else. He thought, I can be strong. Matter of fact, he boasted and said, Jesus, the others may do something. What did he say? The others may deny you, but I never will. Oh, Peter, you're believing something that's not true. I don't need any help. I'm good. Okay. Peter, confusion there. And matter of fact, you ended up needing a lot of help. Even though everybody else gives up, I never will. You did. Well, let me tell you what a rumor. It's sort of like somebody telling you something and it changes and then pretty soon what you... Well, it just passes around. Does it get worse or better as time goes on? It gets worse. Matter of fact, did you hear about Dan? Oh my, did you? yeah, really? And the next thing we know, we've got Dan portrayed as something awful and we don't really know what's going on. We're changing his story. A rumor. Rumors can run wild. Matter of fact, think about this for a rumor. A few words or phrases that come to mind when we think of rumors. These are the things that you've probably heard of before. Rumor has it that, what's that mean? Well, I've heard somebody say, does that make it true? No. no. What did some people think Jesus was? Pharisees accused him of having something. You know what they thought was living in him? A demon. A demon. It's the Son of God. Spread the word. This man's crazy. That's a rumor. It's not true. Here's another one. Spreading a rumor that just takes off like wildfire. Here's the next one. Unfounded rumor. There's no basis for it. I hate it when the news... I don't even watch the news anymore. I, I could take it for a while until President Trump won and now the media just boom, bombards it. And I'm just thinking, I don't want to hear anymore. You know, sources say it may have been, could have been, might have been. You haven't told me anything yet. So if someone come in here right now and says, Mr. Edgar, he's going to speak tonight, scheduled to speak, but he may be dead. No, I'm not. I'm right here. He could have died today. Well, that's true, but I didn't. We're not exactly sure. Uh, I'm right here. That's the news for you. Well, that's what rumors are. It's unfounded. Our sources say, who's your source? Here's the next one, an outlandish rumor. The rumor mill are... What is a rumor? Well, a rumor is this. i give you a little definition of mine. I think it's rumors are usually juicy pieces of information that someone or something that is entertaining, we like to hear them, or interesting, whether or not they're true. And typically rumors are not true, although sometimes they are. But until they're confirmed, they're much like what we call gossip. When I was a little kid, we had a party line. Laugh at me if you want to. But I sort of like the Andy Griffith show. I could pick up the receiver, ring it, and I would get who I call central. She would give me the line. Or I could pick it up and go ring, 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 like that. Somebody else would pick up on the line and we could talk. What could the other 18 people do on that party line? Listen. Yeah, they're going to listen to us. There's a young guy named Corey Carter. Corey would always pick up the phone cover. He liked to be nosy. And he would listen in. My grandma was talking to my mom one time on that party line. And they were laughing about something and talking all at once. <laughs> they hear somebody laughing. They know it's not them. My grandma, Granny Reed said, somebody's listening in. My mom says, I, I think they are. Nothing. And Granny said, I bet you it's that Coy Carter. He said, no, no, it's not me. That's what he actually said on the phone. <laughs> well, Coy, I believe it is you. What did he do? He listened in so he could later tell people what he had heard and that would be gossip. Let me give you an 
example off of Andy Griffith's show. In one episode of Andy Griffith, Barney goes in, he's going to get sulfur powder. All he does is have a little scratch. Matter of fact, he holds it up to Andy and Andy says, Yeah, it's healing. He says, It's not there, it's over here. He, it's so small he can't find it. He goes to the drugstore to put sulfur powder. Three women there hear him talking about Barney's injury. They start gossiping, and the next thing you know, by the end of the afternoon, they pass a rumor that Barney is now... Well, here's the rumor. Have you heard the news? Barney Fife shot himself in the chest. They think he's dead. And then, with him shooting himself in the chest, the name of that episode is this, shoe salesman in town, the ladies gossip so much, they have Barney killed off. Well, Andy goes in and he laughs. He said, Now, Aunt B, you and two other people were the only ones in that drugstore when I said that Barney had gotten hurt. And it took y'all about three hours to kill Barney off. And they said, Well, we're not the only ones that gossip. You men do. And so to get back at Andy, they sort of made up a story about someone visiting the town. Let me show you a little bit of this. The men think he's a Hollywood talent scout. He was a shoe salesman. But the women said, Have you heard about this guy? And the, and the men believe it. Check out this picture. This is Orville Monroe. He shows up at the courthouse and he says this. I'm here to, to pick Barney up. And Andy's like, well, well we're, we're here to meet you in your time of need. Barney walks around the corner and says, what? And Orville Monroe says, you're alive. And he says, you bet, maybe not much, but here I am. Well, I heard that you were dead. He said, no, I'm not dead. I'm very much here. The funeral parlor guy actually shows up. Here's the traveling shoe salesman. Aunt B hears him, and she starts spreading a rumor, and the men pick it up, and they say, I think he's a Hollywood talent scout. Y'all need to go over there and maybe try out for him. Oh, Aunt B, it's, it can't be that. Go over there. So they show up at this man's hotel room, and look at this. They got an accordion out there. They got musical instruments, and they're waiting to go into it. And they say, let us try it. And they think he's a Hollywood talent scout. Well, it turns out, guess what he is? He's a shoe salesman. It's a rumor. You say, well, why are rumors so important? Or why are you telling us about them? Here's what I want you to do. Turn to Hebrews. And while you're turning to Hebrews, chapter 8. I think this one's funny. I went to Giles High School. It's in Giles County, Virginia. We have an Archtown rival called Nairs. One day the students at Nairs showed up at Giles and I thought, why are they up here? And they came out while we were out there on the football field. Actually, the band was practicing. And some of the Nairs students sat over on the bleachers and I said, I finally had to ask them, I said, why are you out here? And they said, oh, there's some trouble in the cafeteria. They actually dismissed school for the day so we just thought we'd come up here and watch y'all's halftime show and be cool. I said, okay. You tell somebody else, tell somebody else and pretty soon by the end of the day, Next day I came to school, here's what the rumor was. There was a cave-in at the Nares High School cafeteria. Students fell into the hole and some of them actually, what? Died. They died. They got injured. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. You know what the truth was? The tile in the cafeteria had gotten hot from a heater that wasn't functioning and the tile peeled up. That was it. So we went from peeled up tile to a cave-in all in about three or four hours. So I don't laugh at Andy Griffith and them too much. We did it at a high school right there where I live. You mean people didn't, uh, they didn't get hurt. They just replaced a few pieces of towel. So, can it happen? Sure, it happens to me, it happens to you. I'm going to destroy one of the rumors that you might be hearing. Did you ever stop to think about this? We often accept a rumor as a truth, even though it later turns out to be a lie. Why? Because rumors just sound so enticing at times. Here's another thing about rumors. At other times we hear the truth and think, oh, it's too good to be true. 
So let me get this right. We believe a lie and accept it, but we refuse the truth which is better for us. Hmm. Wouldn't it be great if the gospel would spread as quick as gossip? Well, we'd have all the world saved by this weekend probably. So if you got Hebrews chapter 8, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to dispel a rumor. And it's going to be out of this world. It's going to be something that you say, I never knew that in the Bible before. Find the book of Hebrews. It's over in the New Testament. Chapter 8. I want to show you something that you might not have ever seen before. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. So if you're listening, I pray that God just gets a hold of you with this story. I read it and it sort of hit me, so I'm just passing on what... How many people think that um, Jesus is a high priest? Anybody think of that? Can you approach him? Well, if he's a high priest, I don't know. Who would the Catholic people think they would have a hard time talking to? Mary. Yeah, because they might even look to Mary to get him into heaven. They have to talk about the Pope? Sure. So they might look up here and say, oh, I can never do that. I can't talk. I think here's a rumor that the devil wants you to believe. Jesus is unapproachable. I don't know that he has time for us. Those are all lies, by the way. That's a rumor. It's about as bad as a towel coming off the floor. It's... Let me show you what Jesus is really like. Jesus is not unapproachable. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, the point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve the sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. Woo! This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to those as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. For there had been nothing wrong, for if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and he said, The time's coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, but turned away from them, declares the Lord. So verse 10 says this, This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, I will write them on their hearts, I will be their God, they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, or a man his brother, saying, No Lord, because they... All will know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Hmm. So he's sort of like when I have amnesia. Well, he won't remember our sins. Turn to chapter 9. Flip it over. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship. It told you when to stand, when to sit, what songs. To... It's almost like giving you a little detail. God says, mm, that's an earthly sanctuary. I'm going to switch things and do things a little bit different. Please watch verse 6 of chapter 9. I just now told you there's going to be a new way of doing things. Okay, so let me make sense of this. There's a lot of words there. Picture this carefully. Right up here on this 
stage. Uh, we'll put a wall up and we'll let y'all sit in church. But this is going to be an inner sanctuary of what we call the Holy of Holies. So listen carefully. I want to give you this picture. A long time ago in the tabernacle, Moses actually had a tent that was set up. They later built a temple, but it was the same thing. So out in the courtyard where all the people are in the grass and they have the football field or baseball, whatever, we got fields on You can go out there and sit. But then you enter the courtyard. It gets a little bit closer. So let's picture this. You come from maybe over to the road to finally get over here. You come from our property to finally get it to camp. Now you're out there, but you're one of those way distanced. And then you get a little bit closer to the chapel and we'll let you sit at the swings. Then we let somebody actually come inside where you're sitting right here. But then this is what happens. Once a year, the priest says, have you sinned this year? Probably. I'm just going to guess yes. So he's done something wrong. You've done something wrong. You've done... So here's what the priest does. He takes a sacrifice. could be a lamb. We kill it and get the blood of the lamb and we're going to take it someplace. I'm going to go into the Holy of Holies. I'm going to separate the curtain, go in, and this is where a thing called, remember Indiana Jones movie made this thing famous. What's inside here? This is the ark. Remember the Raiders of the Lost Ark? They look for it. Inside the ark's three things. Anybody know that? Ten Commandments. Aaron's budding staff. Manna from heaven to represent. See, God takes care of you. God will lead you. And God's law. So we're going to put that. So the priest would go through the curtains. Y'all can't. I can only do it once a year if you want to make me the priest. I can only do it once a year. So I'm going to go in. Legend says this. I read this in a Master Cato book. I tend to think it's probably true. They would sometimes tie a rope around his ankle, maybe even a bell on him, so that when he come in and he was going to offer the sacrifices, this represented God. This is the Holy of Holies. So he goes in to put the sacrifice on the Ark of the Covenant. You know what that's called? A mercy seat. So I'm going to find mercy for all of you. So everybody in here says, Mr. Edgar, would you go in and offer a sin? Why don't you go? What will God do? He'll kill you. I'm the chosen. I'm just. I'm not patting me just for sake of illustration. I'm the chosen one. I'm the priest. And I can only do this once a year. I'm going to go in for you. You better pray hard. And I tie a rope around my ankle for this purpose. If I go in and I'm offering the sacrifice and for some reason God doesn't want to accept that and God just looks at me like that and he kills me you got the rope on me you'll drag me back out anybody else want to go in so we tie an ankle you know put you God kill me drag him back out anybody want to go now this is the part that touches me so don't miss my story we got the holy of holies right there We've got the sanctuary right here. We've got a big curtain that you cannot go into the Holy of Holies. Now the devil has a rumor going on. It's a lie. Okay. You can't get access to God. God doesn't love you. See, he does that to me. I just put him in his place and quote scripture back. God doesn't love you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Well, He might love you, but, but He won't forgive you. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Well, well, He'll just do that once. Really? In the Gospels, Peter says, I'm going to forgive my neighbor seven times. You know what Jesus says back? How about 70 times seven? What He's trying to make the point to Peter... You need to forgive your neighbor as much as I forgive you. 
So I am loved. I can be forgiven. I can know Jesus. All those rumors are lies. Yeah, like Satan wants you to believe. Right now he's telling you, you don't need to get saved tonight. You don't really need to come to Jesus. you got loads of time. Really? How do you know that? When Jesus was here on earth, somebody asked him, when's the end of time? Jesus says, only the Father knows. So Satan sure doesn't know that we've got a lot of time. This world could end tomorrow. Take all the time you need. And by the way, God won't forgive you. You've messed up too much. How could He love you? You're too young. Really? I can tell you about an eight-year-old king in the Bible. There's no age limit on coming to Jesus. So I'm going to dispel all those, but Jesus said this. In the Old Testament, they had the temple set up. Here's the Holy of Holies. And Jesus says, that didn't work. I'm going to do a new one. Now, listen carefully. If you're half asleep, you've got to wake up because you're going to miss the biggest thing. Ready? Boom. I'll try to get through this. and I'll try not to cry. But, you know, it always touches my heart. I'm the priest. Watch this. I am the priest. Let's just pretend that this is the sacrifice, the lamb. And I will go in praying that God will not kill me. And I will put the sacrifice down praying that God accepts it. Okay. Jesus comes up in the New Testament. He says, i got a new plan. What are you going to do? I'm going to do something that the world will never forget. Hmm. A lesson to learn from Hebrews 8 and 9 about Christ being your high priest. I want to take you to a concession stand. Pretend. I go to the concession stand like this girl here and she says, uh, I want that popcorn and that candy and... Okay. How much would that be? $8. I don't have any money. You need to pay for this somehow. And can you imagine... Okay. The girl just walks around the counter and says, oh, I guess I'll just become one of the workers on this side and start working to pay for my debt. This is the part that always touches me. Mm. What if Jesus comes up to God and He says, I'm going to... Edgar's got to pay for his sins. And God says, all right, Edgar, pay for your sins. I don't have anything to pay for my sins. And Jesus says, I'll pay for your sins. Watch this. Jesus comes up, goes through the curtain, and people are like, where's Jesus? And if we could pull back the curtain, guess who's on the altar? Jesus. So when Jesus is going through there, He does not have a lamb in His hands. He does not have a goat. He does not have any animal. He is the sacrifice. You can't do that. He already has. So the high priest come through and put the little lamb in. Can you imagine this once a year kind of thing? Jesus walks through the temple and people are looking, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? What's he going to do? He's not going to... And then someone lies behind him and says, he's going to give his sin. And he does. He walks straight through, straight into the Holy of Holies, curtain parts, he goes in, he gives himself. Ooh. Really? 
You remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were cast out of the garden? God put cherubim right there with flaming swords to not let them back into the garden. If you'll read in Leviticus, I could show you the scriptures. Just If you want them later, I'll give them to you. But this curtain is real thick. Guess what's embroidered on this curtain? Cherubim. And so when Jesus walked into the Holy of Holies, so to speak, really when Jesus died on the cross, guess what happened? The curtain in the temple was ripped in two. The cherubim were taken away, thus allowing us to sort of enjoy paradise again. He paved the way to paradise. I, I, when I read it, I thought, I just didn't know whether to weep or shout. It's like cherubim are embroidered on the curtain, so it's almost as though Jesus went to the garden, moved the cherubim out of the way and said, go right in and enjoy everything in the garden again, thanks to me. And so when Jesus gave Himself, He became a high priest who offered Himself. Now we can have free access. Well, the priest had to go in once a year. With Jesus doing it, guess what? It's once a lifetime. never has to be done again. I just can't believe that he would come up and say, I'm the payment. You can have me. We don't have to hide our sins. See, that's a rumor of the devil. You better hide what you do. Don't you dare tell people what you do. We don't have to hide our sins, but instead we should come clean about them. Say, come up. I had somebody at camp about, well, I don't know if it was last year or a year or so before, I said I was putting together my message and I was putting together a Michael W. Smith song and all this little ad popped up. And it went, about a half-naked woman over here. I can't imagine. I'm trying to look up a gospel song and here's pornography. Might Well, not quite, but it's something ugly. And I said that in my message and I went on to something else. One of the people that came up and said, you know what, you know what you said for about two seconds? I struggle with that. You're in the 10th grade. I do. Okay, can I pray with you? And I give him some tips. See, he was coming clean. I thought, hallelujah. He didn't say, oh, nobody will ever understand me. It'd be like me saying, Paul, don't ever tell anybody I've said a cuss word. Anybody ever said a cuss word? Tell the truth. Yeah, look at the hands. And see, the devil will go, you're the only one that cusses. No, you're not. Anybody ever doubted your salvation? Yeah, I woke up at night. Lord, I mean, I mean am I saved? Have I done everything? Got the little checklist? The devil, you don't like it. And the devil lies to me. God doesn't love you. You're the only one that cusses and you're the, there's no hope. You sin one more time and God will kill you. That's not true. You lie by the way. Hmm, what they call the devil? Father of lies. We need to come clean. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the truth will set you free. So you mean if I can just, God, I'm a miserable, rotten sinner. You've got to do something with me. Hallelujah. Now you've had that aha moment. You're honest. And you're ready for action. Step number three. The truth is Jesus will forgive us and we can be made a new person in Christ. That's not just a rumor, no. That's not just for a select few. I'm going to read the Scriptures I have a tough time getting through. But I will. Hebrews chapter 9. Just listen. Whew. Chapter 9, now the first covenant had regulations, a lot of rules for worship and also earthly sanctuary. Tabernacle was set up and in the first room there was a lamp stand, a table, consecrated bread, and this was called the holy place. 
holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, holy of holies, which had the golden altar of incense, the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained, uh, y'all guessed a memento, the gold jar of manna, Aaron's rod had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of God. Cherubim, isn't that cool? The cherubim are on the curtain. They're on the ark. Angels. Above the ark of the cherubim, the glory overshining the place of atonement. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that was only once a year, and never without blood, for without blood there is no sacrifice, there is no payment for sins, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people who had committed, that had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. It hadn't been handled the way they wanted to as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. But then things changed. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that's not man-made, that is to say, not part of this creation. Nobody built this. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place by his, uh, by his own blood. He didn't bring the lamb. He was the lamb. That will just shake you for a minute. He did not enter the most holy place once to pay for the sins of all the people there just like the priest was doing. He did it once in a lifetime, not once a year. He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once and for all by His own blood, having obtained eternal redemption for us when we trust in Him. No more trips to the Holy of Holies. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctified so that they were outwardly clean. But watch what happens. How much more then will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit offers Himself unblemished to God, and it will offer us to be cleansed from our sins, from our acts that would otherwise lead us to death. So for this reason, Christ is our mediator, and we're called to serve Him. In the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle, everything used. In fact, the law requires everything to be cleansed for sin. Jesus says, enough of this law. Y'all can't keep the law anyway. Now here's how God... If I'm a judge sitting behind a big stand and my first case of the day comes in and they say, Judge, this man's just stole the car and uh, somebody's got to pay for that or he's going to go to prison. And I say, okay, we'll just send him to prison. Now, wait, I look up and it's my son Andy. Oh, okay, if I let him go free, they're going to say I'm not a good judge. If I send him to prison, that's going to seem like I done. Oh, I got it. I'll stand up. I'll take my robe off. Hang on. I'll see Andy get out of the way. And I'll turn I'll say, I'll tell you what, I'll take the punishment. Let me go to prison for him. You going to do that? Absolutely. That way the law is being answered and yet Andy will know I love him. So when God says, Edgar, step right up. I'm a sinner. I'm a rotten sinner and I'm admitting that. Well, you're going to have to die. But without the shedding of blood, <coughs> what is it? 
Jesus is saying, what you say? Hager, you, God the Father, I'm God the Son, and I'll, I'll, I'll shed blood. That way, your law will be answered once and for all. Edgar won't have to die a horrible death, and instead I will. And God says, sure you want to do this? He knows the answer, <laughs> absolutely. And God lets his son go to Calvary. So how about, are you ready to listen to the rumors of the devil and in, or instead believe the, the truth that Jesus offers? God loves you. If you don't believe that, I'm going to shatter that rumor of the devil. God loves everybody in here. God loves Jeffrey Dahmer. God loves Saddam Hussein. God loves everybody. How do he do that? He's God. God will forgive you. And God will save you. So maybe it's the day for you to come clean and make things right with Jesus. Only you got to do this. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, and we don't go to a high priest. Confess this means you talk to God. If we confess, that means to agree with God. God, I am coming clean. I am no longer pretending. I am here to say, I need to be forgiven, and I'm giving you myself. Would you save me? That's coming clean. And God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to change your whole life around. It'll be a totally different life than you're leading now. That's what I want. Hmm. There's two people in the Bible you're going to be like right now. Rich man came to Jesus and said, I'd like to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, go sell all you have. Hmm. Bible says he walked away sad. <laughs> I can't sell everything I got. Nice talking to you though, Jesus. So he left. Then he had a publican come up and just beat his chest and fall down in front of the... And he says, God, I'm a, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one are we going to be? Are we going to walk away saddened? Or maybe want to change? Hmm. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, there's a lot of things that go on in our world, but I pray that we could leave them all aside for the next few minutes. And Lord, when I can imagine that you walked into the temple, so to speak, in heaven, and said, God, let me go into the Holy of Holies, not once in a year, once in a lifetime, and I will be the Lamb. I will give myself. No more lambs after today. And when people would have saw you walk down that aisle, they would have just thought, wait, he has no lamb in his hand. He has no sacrifice. And it would have suddenly dawned on him, he is the sacrifice. He is going to give his life so that others may live. So Jesus, I for one in this room, I'm thankful you did that. Because me dying wouldn't have done a thing. But you dying can save the world. We needed a perfect sacrifice. We needed one without spot or wrinkle, no blemish, and that was you. You'd never sinned a day in your life. Lord, I've cussed. I've said wrong words. I've tried drinking. I've done dumb things in my life. And you say your lawless acts I'll remember no more. You're going to put my sins in the sea of your forgetfulness. You won't remember them. You won't hold them accountable. You will say you are forgiven. And so now, Jesus, I don't deserve it at all, but I'm grateful that I can stand in front of God and say, God, I have been made perfect because of your son, Jesus. I refuse to believe the lies that the devil throws at me. So, Jesus, right now I pray that everyone in here would quit believing the rumor that God doesn't love them or that God can't forgive them 
or that God doesn't have a plan for them. Because you do. You love them, you forgive them, and you'll have a plan for them. Oh, Jesus, they've got to find that out right now. Here's the next lie that the devil says. Later, after a while, you got plenty of time. Lord, I don't know how much time we have, but right now we're going to talk to you. And Jesus, I'll get out of the way and ask you to talk to them. Please speak to hearts as only you can right now. Pull at a heart to say, what are you going to do with me? So Jesus, that's a decision, and I pray that they would answer right now positively and say, I want to accept you as my Savior. Or I want to come clean. I've got things in my life that need to be confessed. I want to come clean and say, Jesus, thank you for going into the Holy of Holies, paying for my sins once and for all. And if I confess my sins, you're going to forgive me. That's the truth. So I'm going to take you up on your word and believe you. So now with your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment, not everybody is going to respond, but I want to make sure I give everybody a chance to. I just want Jesus, if He prompts your heart, and you say, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, there's no magical formula. I would just want you to listen to the voice that's speaking to you. And you say, was that the Holy Spirit? Could very well be. So maybe you think, can I pray just confirming something? I just want you to let me, Uncle Paul, our counselor, somebody know, say, you know what? I gave myself to Jesus today. I rededicated my life to I Tell us the decision because you know what? We're going to use it against the devil later. But if we just set the devil and say, oh, you're not serious about this, just keep on being the way you are, defeated, discouraged. I refuse to let the devil do that. So in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you have courage to step out and make a decision that will stick. Let's take a moment or two to see if God prompts your heart. So Jesus, I think of the words of the song. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Our strength is weak. And it is small. But Jesus, with you, we can certainly have enough strength to respond and say, lift our head up. Lord, please speak to our hearts as only you can. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray, and find in me thine all in all. For Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Lord Jesus, the service is yours. I give you the campers in front of me to pray that you'd speak to them. Pray that they would just do what you want them to do because their life is before them. But it all starts with finding a solid foundation called Jesus, not a sandy shore like the world offers. So make sure their feet are planted on the solid rock called Jesus. Make sure they're forgiven. Make sure they're saved. Make sure they have that plan in front of them. Make sure they'll follow you. And that's I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.